Okay, welcome to Progressive News Network in the Environmental Justice Report here on Pro- here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, I'm Janine Moloff, the producer and host. And this week we've had a lot of stuff to deal with. Um, you know, every time it seems like things start to calm down a little bit, then an- another emergency happens. And that this week's been no exception. Uh, first off, because I know that PNN started in Florida, I want to express my um, prayers and my concerns that extend to the people in Florida that have suffered through Hurricane Ian. All right? It's just, it's it's hideous. Um, and part of the show is going to deal with the recurrence of these alleged 500-year storms that are happening like every other year. We can't ignore the warning signs, no matter what. This isn't about politics as usual. This is about whether or not in so many years we have a planet that is even habitable. We have to talk about it. We just do. And if you notice, this show has been broken up into two different sections. Um, The first section is Progressive News Network. And the second one is the Environmental Justice Report, and we're going to do both. Okay, and if you see, you saw our advert, it says GOP, that means Republicans, hates equal rights. And then also a story for the environmentalists in our audience, the Nord Stream Pipeline leaks methane. And when I first wrote this was earlier in the week, and sabotage was suspected, but it hadn't been confirmed. It looks like it has pretty much been confirmed now. So let's get to it. So this week, the subject is legal equality for all persons, whether you approve of them or not. Um, Earlier in the week and last week as well, I called multiple Republican senators and congressmen, and I asked them a simple question. Do they support legal and political equality under the rule of law for all persons? Yes or no? I was repeatedly told by staffers, that, well, they hadn't spoken to the senator or congressman, so they really couldn't comment. They didn't know. They weren't sure. Ladies and gentlemen, this isn't a difficult question, and it shouldn't have required a public relations polling firm to answer it. The vacillation that I heard from congressional staffers told me all that I needed to know. When you fail to speak out against political and legal inequality, you are basically granting consent to the growing ugly voices of fascists, they are neo-Nazis in our midst. And that includes the Donald. So that's the first part. The second part, as I said a few minutes ago, we're going to discuss the mass, what was first reported as massive pipeline leak that the Nord Stream pipelines in the Baltic Sea. Now, the Nord Stream pipelines go from Russia. They basically pipeline gas that they buy from Russia into other parts of Europe. Now, as I said a few minutes ago, authorities do suspect sabotage coming from Russia. Uh, The leaks, as they reported them, are enormous holes. And the bigger danger is that it's releasing methane directly into the atmosphere. And if you don't know much about environmental science, methane is a greenhouse gas. It is far more destructive than just carbon dioxide. And this is an enormous pipeline. Uh, you know, we found out later that um, 
there were explosions that were heard in Norway and other places, and so you know in that vicinity. So it wasn't, I don't think, a naturally occurring set of leaks. And then, according to the advert, we do have our Jackass of the Week segment, and it's awarded. Now, this may be a little unfair on my part. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to award it to the city of Branson, Missouri yet, but in a few days, Branson, Missouri, you know, the country music haven, claims they're so family-friendly. Everybody come and visit. They're going to host a conference headlining noted traitor and Trumpist General Mike Flynn. And this conference has to deal with Christian nationalism. Now, while I hold the organizations responsible for this conference of hate, you know, let me, let me backtrack, having a few disfluent issues here right now. While I hold these hate groups responsible, uh, I also at least partially hold the city of Branson, Missouri, equally responsible because, again, they didn't denounce it. You know, even if, let's say, this is a business owner's right to do this, okay, fine then the city of Branson should have had the decency to make a denunciation of this, and they haven't. I made multiple calls to the Chamber of Commerce in Branson, Missouri. First, I made it to Springfield, but we'll get into that later, and I didn't really get a very good response. So, anyway, that's the show. Let's get to it. So, the first thing we're going to talk about, again, I called multiple Senate and congressional offices of prominent Republicans and left my name. Um, I called Senator Marco Rubio. And again, this is before. I made these calls before Hurricane Ian struck. Okay. I called um, Senator John Thune. I called Senator Barrasso. They're both part of the GOP Senate leadership. I called Senator um, uh, Shelley Moore Capito, another GOP leader. I called my own Missouri Senator, Roy Blunt, who was also in the top GOP Senate leadership. And it was amazing because these Senate staffers just, well, we don't know. He hasn't issued a statement. What is to think about? You either believe in legal equality for all persons under proper rule of law, or you don't. And if you don't, your sorry, skanky ass doesn't belong in the U.S. Congress. It's really that simple. You would have thought by their cowardly responses that this was the 1860s and we were debating whether or not Dred Scott should be considered a person. That's how egregious this was. I just could not believe it. Could not believe it. And this is what brought this about very simply. You hear a lot of Republicans brag about how they're Christian nationalists. You hear a moron like Lauren Boebert saying that she doesn't believe any, she doesn't want to deal with any of this separation of church and state junk. Those were her words, not mine. Um, Christian nationalism, make no mistake about it. I'm not anti-Christian. I have Christian relatives as well as Jewish relatives. Christian nationalism is something else, though. The reason we have separation of church and state, 
the reason why we have, yes, a secular government under secular rule of law, as opposed to theocratic rule, is because we allegedly believe in equality before the law. If we had theocratic rule, there are several groups of people that would not have equal standing to, say, white, straight men, namely everybody else. Make no mistake about it. If you want to be a theocratic believer, be it. But you can't impose it on the rest of us. And, you know, this was really, I, I called Marjorie Taylor Greene's office multiple times and Oh, my Lord, uh, she has staffers in there that I guess they sold their soul, you know, because she's top dog Christian nationalist. Now, I don't know if she realizes that under a theocratic fascist rule, which is what Christian nationalism would be, uh, and that's not my opinion, that's conservative commentator Matt Walsh that they all love, under Christian nationalism, under theocratic fascism, Marjorie Taylor Greene wouldn't be a congressperson. Hell, she probably wouldn't even be allowed to vote or take birth control. But here she is, a woman basically fighting against the rights of other women. You know, to echo the late Madeleine Albright, not for a spoiled candidate, but there is a special place in hell for women that fight against their fellow sisters. Make no mistake about it. At no point am I saying that religious fundamentalists can't believe what they want to believe. They can. They just have no damn right imposing it on the rest of us. That's the point. And the reason why we have separation of church and state is not only because it protects all of us and allows all of us to worship or not worship as we see fit, Because it's in the damn Constitution, the First Amendment. It's called the Establishment Clause. But don't just trust me. Let's go to the Establishment Clause. You would think these members of Congress will at least know a little something about it. Okay. So I went to, um, excuse me. I went to the First Amendment Encyclopedia, which is presented by the John Siegenthaler Chair of Excellence in First Amendment Studies. And this is from MTSU. Let me go back here to about. This is from the Free Speech Center. Uh, And this is straight. I'm reading straight from the source. (coughs) Excuse me. The Free Speech Center is a nonpartisan, nonprofit public policy center dedicated to building understanding of the five freedoms of the First Amendment through education, information, and engagement. It does not participate in litigation or lobbying. Its educational efforts include the First Amendment Encyclopedia, an unparalleled unparalleled collection of more than 1,500 articles on First Amendment topics, court cases, and history written to be accessible by young people and the general public. About 20,000 students and educators access the site each school day. It also includes something called One for All. That is a national, nonpartisan, and nonprofit educational effort to build understanding and respect for the five freedoms of the First Amendment in secondary and higher education. And it goes on. Okay. But I would say the important part is to build respect for these freedoms. 
And the problem with theocrats is that they don't respect anyone else. You know, and theocracy or people that prefer theocracy will not ever, ever uh, peacefully live side by side with people that prefer democracy. Because the two concepts are diametrically opposed. A theocracy is a dictatorship. The theocrat, whoever is assigned by whatever you believe to be God, controls everything. No one else has any rights. And your position in life is preordained. You have no choice, no anything. And then you have democracy, where everybody is equal, under, at least presumed to be have equal rights under rule of law, secular rule of law, period. That's it. But see, for too long, you have had um, fundamentalist religious people, especially, I'll just say Christian fundamentalists, who um, have gone on and insulted everybody else by, by basically stating that they're the only ones that have morality. Based on what proof? I'm a liberal, reformed Jew who believes in secular democracy. I have morality. I just do not want to be a Christian. Okay. We have to, while these people, these Christian theocrats, well, they have the right to free speech and believe what they want, and they do. We also have a right to free speech to rebut what they say. You know, for too long, those of us that are religious minorities here, we have had to mollycoddle and walk on eggshells around Christians because if we, if we even rebut anything they say in the slightest, then they scream bloody murder. Enough's enough. Believe what you want to, but you don't have any right to impose your beliefs on everyone else. That's it. Okay? And we don't want theocratic law. And when they say, oh, well, the founding fathers wanted it to be a Christian nation. No, they didn't. I mean, I, I realize that Mar likes Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, I, I realize they are intellectually and intellectually challenged, in my opinion, and educationally deficient, but that doesn't matter. They have staffers that could correct them. Okay. The Establishment Clause, it's right there. The Establishment Clause of the First Amendment is interpreted frequently to require, to require separation of church and state. That doesn't mean you can't worship as you please. It means that the government can't force your type of worship on everyone else or any kind of worship. That's it. And it says so right in the beginning of the First Amendment. Quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Period. End quote. What the hell do these morons think that means? In order to establish a religion, you have to get government involved. That means one group gets preferred over everyone else. That means that, no, you don't believe in equality before the law. That's why it says clearly, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of a religion, end quote. It's saying government can't force this on people. It is never saying that people that want to believe that, say, I don't know, Lauren Boebert has magical monkeys flying out of her asshole, they can believe it. But they can't force their belief system on anyone else. Okay? They're, this is very, very simple. 
okay? And the clause is interpreted to mean, yes, separation of church and state. They go on to cite some of the ESPA founding fathers. Roger Williams, he's the founder of Rhode Island. He was the first public official to use the metaphor of separation of church and state. Uh, to read straight from this, this particular um, uh, document, he opined that an authentic Christian church would be possible only if there was a, quote, wall or hedge of separation, end quote, between the wilderness of the world and the garden of the church, end quote. Okay? And that, to me, sounds pretty equivalent to what I understand about Christianity. Didn't Jesus himself say, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and one, render unto the Lord what is the Lord's? To me, that sounds like separation of church and state, but that's my interpretation. It goes on to say, Williams believed that any government involvement in the church would corrupt the church. I agree. There's another use of this, metaf this separation of church and state metaphor. And it was used by a little-known founding father that I guess Marjorie Taylor Greene thinks is just a jerk, namely Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson wrote in a, let in a letter in 1802, he wrote a letter to the Danbury Baptist Association. And in this letter, uh, Jefferson said that when, Amer when the American people adopted the Establishment Clause, they built a, quote, wall of separation between the church and state, end quote. But apparently Marjorie Taylor Greene is smarter than Thomas Jefferson was. Just ask her. Dumb blonde will tell you. I know I shouldn't say dumb blonde jokes, but the woman really yanks my chain. It's, I, I, I shudder to think what is wrong in Georgia that they elected a moron like her. Um, and why did Jefferson feel that, quote, there was, that the Establishment Clause, quote, built a wall of separation between the church and state, end quote? Well, he had personally witnessed the constant turmoil of American colonists when it came to religious expression. Um, there were some colonies that experimented with religious freedom, while others did support a strongly support an established church, and that is, is documented also by this site. Jefferson also fought to disestablish the Anglican Church in Virginia Colony. Okay, this was considered a decisive battleground uh, in Virginia. The Anglican Church had long been the established church. That's the Church of England. Keep in mind, the Church of England, the Anglican Church, was founded not by anything holy, but by Henry VIII because he wanted to divorce his wife. Um, Jefferson, as well as fellow Virginian James Madison, both felt that any sort of state support for a specific religion or state support for any religion was improper. Uh, according to the site, they said, quote, they argued that compelling citizens to support through taxation a faith they did not follow violated their natural right to religious liberty. The two were aided in their fight for disestablishment by the Baptists, Presbyterians, Quakers, and other dissenting faiths of Anglican Georgia. I'm Anglican Virginia, excuse me. So I, I don't know what the hell Marjorie Taylor Greene is whining about. Um, it goes on. During these debates where Jefferson, uh, you've got basically 
you've got three of them right, three of the major founding fathers, Roger Williams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, all saying, no, we need separation of church and state. Um, these debates were going on. They were both not only verbal debates, but in writing. And when they were, at, according to this document, when they were preparing the Constitution, writing it, this document goes on to say, quote, during the debate surrounding both its writing and its ratification, many religious groups feared that the Constitution offered an insufficient guarantee of the civil and religious rights of citizens. To help win ratification, Madison proposed a Bill of Rights that would include religious liberty, end quote. Religious liberty is a double-edged sword. Yes, you can believe whatever silliness you want to believe. No one's going to stop you. As long as you're not inciting violence or hurting others, then fine, or not forcing your way on anyone else. But that means other people also have religious liberty. It's really that simple. Um, it goes on to say, so this, this was one of the reasons for the Bill of Rights in the first place. So this was big. And this came from the writers of the Constitution. So what is that blonde idiot wallowing about? I, I'd like to know. And I know I'm on a I'm in a mood today. I admit it. This document goes on to say that both as presidents, early presidents, Jefferson and Madison, um, you could say they were they could be accused of mixing religion and government because Madison issued some proclamations of religious fasting and thanksgivings. Jefferson signed treaties to send religious ministers to the Native Americans. And really, from the beginning, the Supreme Court opened each of the sessions with, quote, God save the United States and this honorable court, end quote. Again, nothing's 100%. But the founders, yes, they did intend separation of church and state. Okay. Now, it's true. It wasn't until after World War II the court started interpreting the meaning of the Establishment Clause. And there's a whole set of court cases here that you can, you know, read by yourself. Um, I live in the middle of the Bible Belt in St. Louis, Missouri. And honestly, you know, wealthier minorities may not feel the sting as much. They have a little insulation. But those of us that are religious minorities and aren't wealthy, we talk amongst ourselves. And as children, you know, I graduated high school in 77. I was in elementary school in the 60s. We were, you know, you talk about the LGBTQ community being closeted. Before they were closeted, we were. We were religiously closeted for our own safety and for our own future careers. There were multiple companies, large corporations here in St. Louis that, at the time, wouldn't hire blacks or Jews. You know, before the immigration law of 1924 was um, changed in 1965, those were the two main mi minority groups. It changed, thank God. Um, and the unions were no better. They wouldn't admit blacks or Jews, period. And, and I know to a lot of millennials and Generation Z that sounds crazy, except it's the truth. Uh, and they were free to discriminate against racial and religious minorities because there hadn't been too many court cases yet. 
Okay? Make no mistake about it. One of the reasons why um, these people in power love the idea of theocracy or being what they call a theocratic fascist, as Matt Walsh claims he is, is because they don't want – it's not that they don't want to just deal with, as Lauren Boebert said so stupidly, all that separation of church and state junk, as she calls it. It's because these are people that hate any strides towards equality under the law. They hate the idea of equality for racial minorities. They, In other words, non-white people. They hate the idea of equality under the law for religious minorities or for atheists and agnostics. They hate the idea of equal uh, of equality under rule of law for the LGBTQ community. This isn't about an honest academic discussion. They want theocratic fascism because this is a bunch of people that want they want to basically have a hierarchy hierarchy where white Christian straight males are at the top. And maybe a few white Christian straight females that help aid and abet uh, the brutality against fellow sisters. That's what it's about. We need to stop giving these people credibility they don't deserve. Now, you can check this out yourself. There's several Supreme Court cases. Um, There's Everson versus the Board of Education. There's the Lemon Test, Lemon v. Kurtzman, Agostini v. Felton, County of Allegheny versus the American Civil Liberties Union. Um, there's an endorsement test, Lynch v. Donnelly, and it goes on and on. You can read it yourself. All right, I'm not going to get into too much of that today. Um, you know, the neutrality test is one of the things that the court's supposed to use. And the neutrality test requires the government to treat religious groups the same as it would any other group, period. That's it. That means no special privileges, okay? That means if a football coach wants to, you know, pray before they go onto the field, he can pray, but he can't coerce the other kids and the kids into it, you know, when you have to have a public display of that, then it's not about honest um, spiritual and religious belief. It's about coercion. It's about domination. It's about abusing other people because you view them as lesser. You know, it's about the fact that there are far too many white Christians that view anybody who is not white enough, Christian, or straight enough as not only being inferior, they believe we're evil. You know, they talk a lot about Muslim Sharia law. Well, Christian fundamentalism is Sharia law as well. There is no difference. None. Okay? I know as a Jew, I've had um, friends that weren't Jewish ask me, you know, in the lead up to the Holocaust and after, why, why were they going after Jews so much and historically as well? And I really couldn't answer at first. And then I thought about it. And this is something that I'm sure ultra-Orthodox rabbis might disagree, but I don't care. My understanding, and this is the way Reformed Jews think, in Judaism, even from the very beginning, the first Jew, Abraham, 
No one, once we were given the law, no one was above the law, not even a king. King David found that out the hard way, and so did Solomon. Now you've got these little people that leave the Middle East, and they go to Europe, and through the uh, Spanish Inquisition, the Russian pogroms, the Third Reich, and so on, they're discriminated against left and right, especially during the age which you called the divine right of kings. And I thought about it, and I realized maybe, they had, maybe there was some method to the madness. Because when you think about it, not only did you have the scapegoat of people that had been disarmed so they couldn't defend themselves very well, but you had this group of people that said nobody's above the law, especially the Ten Commandments, not even a king. Okay, And we punished our own ancient kings when they broke the law. King David was punished. These Christian monarchs couldn't have that. You know, people might think, hmm, there's something to this equality under the law thing. So they had to find a way to silence us. And the first way you silence a group of people that you fear is to try and discredit them. So we were called evil. We were called Satanists. Um, they made up insane lie, uh, slanderous stories about Jews drinking the blood of children, which never happened. Um, the fact is, there are still, in my opinion, not all of them. I have some dear friends that are Christian ministers. They are ministers of color, and they are true Christians. They are kind. They are decent. They are tolerant. You know, Reverend Daryl Gray, uh, Reverend um, Elston McGowan, I love them dearly. They are true Christians. But there are too many specifically white Christian ministers that preach hatred, that tell their, their flock, if you will, that if you don't believe the same as they do, then you must be a, dev, a demon. We need to stop this nonsense. That's the kind of talk that starts lynch mobs. It has to stop. And if it means suing these ministers, they can believe what they want, but no, they can't slander, libel, defame others. Then maybe we should start suing them. I don't know. But this is what we're talking about here. And when I call U.S. Senate, U.S. Senate offices and U.S. Congress, congressional offices, and they can't answer the simple question, does Senator so-and-so, does Congressman so-and-so believe in equality for all persons under rule of law? Yes or no? That is not a difficult question. And when they can't answer it, that's not because they can't. It's because they don't want to. That has to stop. And this ties in. I know I've mentioned Matt Walsh. And so I listened to a couple of his shows, and, and I know his numbers are through the roof. And, and, you know, and I realized that Matt Walsh is the perfect example of what's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And the Dunning-Kruger effect is this, this theory that people that, have, that are really incredibly ignorant and somewhat incompetent have this elevated estimation of themselves that they are actually more competent than others and not ignorant at all. <clears throat> I guess you could say that the Dunning-Kruger effect could be synopsized into ignorance is bliss. Donald Trump, perfect example. And I listened to Matt Walsh because I thought, what is the big you know, deal with this guy? <clears throat> and today is kind of a a casual show. I'm not giving as much documentation as they usually do. Um, there's been a lot going on. But 
even now, I'm still giving documentation. When I make a claim, if it's my opinion, I state it as such. If I say, look, this is what happened, and you can find it in this documentation, I'm giving documentation. I listened to a couple of his shows from start to finish, especially the whole what is a woman thing and uh, the fact that he's a real, uh, what do he call himself? He called himself a theocratic fascist. That's frightening, and he's proud of it. And I listen to this man. First of all, he takes everything very literally. He's very concrete. Uh, okay, I think metaphor just goes over his head. And offered not a single scintilla of documentation or evidence. You know, here's my opinion. Here's where I found this information. Not anything. Nothing. He just said, studies say. Fine, what studies, Mr. Walsh? The proof is, fine, where did you find this, Mr. Walsh? Nothing. And it really, it was, his program really pushes this confirmation bias. People hear what they want to hear. He's a very ignorant man. Um, and I, I just, I just sat there in amazement. I, I could not believe what, what passed for logic in his mind wasn't there were false arguments if this man's making money hand over fist with this nonsense now i've listened to other conservatives that i did not like um i've read other conservatives i didn't like people like bill buckley william buckley was no in my opinion no good racist anti-semitic sexist son of a bitch i'm gonna say it but William Buckley was, at least in terms of the style and the content, an excellent writer and an intellect in his own right. You know, he just was screwed up. He just was a bad person. But intellectually, he was there. And so even if I didn't agree with what he had stated or his, you know, his documentation, I could go back to the documentation and say, no, I don't agree for this reason. Matt Walsh does none of this. Okay, not a damn thing. He's Joe Rogan, Alex Jones, <clears throat> excuse me, and even somebody as well-educated as Ben Shapiro. Um, you know, I've made this joke about fellow Jew Ben Shapiro. Now, he, he is orthodox, and Ben Shapiro would call me out as a reformed Jew and say I'm evil because I don't follow all the rules. Um. That's not what Torah commands, but hey. But, you know, he's Ivy League educated. He's intelligent. He does need some voice lessons as far as I'm concerned because when you listen to, and this is an aside, when you listen to Ben Shapiro talk, oh, my God, he sounds like a chipmunk on speed. Seriously, or cocaine. I don't know if he understands what he sounds like. Seriously. And it, it takes all my self-control to keep from just laughing when I hear that. That mouth of his go. And he knows better. Okay? He does. And I don't want people to think that Ben Shapiro is representative of all Jews here. He's not. In fact, it's safe to say the majority of Jews in the United States and Canada are not Orthodox. We are more into the reform segment. Um which means that we respect other people's religious traditions, even if we don't agree. 
we believe in secular government, rule of law, and yes, social justice, the equality thing. Okay. So, but the reason I brought up Matt Walsh is because, and, I, and this is kind of off the cuff today, the idea that he is bragging that he is a theocratic fascist. And I believe he's serious. You know, why does this appeal to so many white men? Well, because they automatically get to lord over everybody else, period. They get to be leaders when they didn't actually earn the right to be leaders. They just, just by an accident of birth, that they were born white and male. That's it. And straight. And the idea of a theocracy, people need to understand. You want to see a theocracy? That's Saudi Arabia. Theocracy, Iran. A theocracy, certain ultra-Orthodox parts of Israel. Not all of it. Israel is having a big schism right now, and it's the same schism between the Orthodox and those that are not Orthodox. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. You don't want to live in a theocracy. You can't have a theocracy and maintain democratic rule. It won't work. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Um this ties into a lot of stuff. These religious fundamentalists are the same people that, off subject a little bit, that also want to ban books. And it isn't just books about the LGBTQ community. What else is on the banned list? Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. One of the best damn novels out there in history, as far as I'm concerned. And why is it banned? Because it paints a picture of predatory capitalism and how it destroys people. So you can't question things in a theocracy. You'd be labeled an apostate or a heretic. And you don't have to look any further than Saudi Arabia to see that if you're labeled that, you're going to be executed for non-belief immediately. <laughs> So, I don't think that I should have to listen or obey religious um, religious theocrats. Okay? All righty. So, the article I read from, from the First Amendment Encyclopedia was originally published in 2009. It was written by J. Mark Elkhorn, who was a high, at that time was a high school and college history instructor in Minnesota. It was co-written by Hannah M. Ryman, who was a middle school humanities educator in Orlando, Florida. That's where I'm getting this stuff, okay? Now, it doesn't just stop with there. There are some alleged Republicans running for office. <coughs> Excuse me. Especially Doug Mastriano comes to mind. 
And as far as I'm concerned, Doug Mastriano is not only racist, he's anti-Semitic, and honestly, um, you know, I'll just say it, I think Mastriano is just basically a neo-Nazi. Now, there was a piece written in Rolling Stone, and it was published a few days ago, September 29, 2022, written by Tim Dickinson. And it's about this self-styled prophet um, who has a plan and is really centering on Doug Mastriano. His name's Lance Wallnow. And the article is in Rolling Stone, and the headline is, he has a seven-point plan for a Christian takeover and wants Doug Mastriano to lead the charge. The subtitle is, quote, Jesus was promised nations for his inheritance, end quote, says Lance Wallnow, a self-described Christian nationalist prophet, quote, not just churches, end quote. People like Mr. Wallnow are very dangerous. You know, this is this is white Jesus he's talking about. It's not the historic Jesus, it, you know. I have no problems with Jesus' teachings. Why would I? As a Reformed Jew, I view Jesus actually as a prophet. Um, The reason why Jews do not accept Jesus, the deity figure, um, as God or the Son of God is because Judaism, like Islam, is strict monotheism. One God and one God only. The first commandment says so from the Ten Commandments. And part of the confusion lies in the the word known as uh, Savior. Um, in European Christian tradition, the Savior, namely what they believe Jesus to be, becomes a deity figure. And I've heard a lot of Christians say, they're monotheistic, it's one God. Well, it's not one God of its Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and it's not one God of his Jesus as Son of God. Jesus is God. It, it's all confusing, okay? That's not strict monotheism, period. And as a Jew or a Muslim, we can't, we can't do that. All right, that is high apostasy for us because they have elevated Jesus to a deity figure or God itself. It depends on which sect of Christianity. It's all very confusing. Um, in Judaism, the you know a lot of Christians will say, "Well, you guys are waiting for the second coming of the Savior." Eh, not quite. The word Savior in Judaism. You know, Hebrew is an odd language, okay? It doesn't translate well into uh, European languages. So when you, if you look to the Old Testament for what Judaism is, you're going you're gonna to miss out on a lot. Because what we call Torah is written the same way it was 5,000 years ago, okay? It's written by hand. You will never see a machine-made Torah. Um, every stroke, every pen stroke has to be exactly correct. It is the same. And Hebrew letters have numeric meanings. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. And words have multiple levels of meaning dependent on context. So you have this big Torah scroll, and then you have multiple volumes of what's called Torah commentary, where the meanings of these words are debated ad nauseum. But one thing is certain. In Judaism, the concept of a savior is never a deity figure. It is a regular person. It's meant to be a messenger. Okay? Could be somebody who's a, a great teacher, maybe even a prophet, but it's a regular human person with human feelings. And according to my Orthodox friends, there's one designated 
whatever, savior, if you will, in every generation in case it's needed. Okay? But it's a very regular person, not a deity figure. So when Christians get mad at us for not accepting Jesus the way they want us to, <clears throat> that's because they can't consider anybody else's frame of reference other than their own. So this guy is really dangerous, though. He wants to. He wants warrior Jesus, not not the Jesus that, um, you know, the Jesus that I know about. What he taught? He taught kindness. <clears throat> he taught tolerance. He was the ultimate social justice warrior. <clears throat> That's what it means when it says harder for a rich man to get into heaven than a poor one. It's about giving. It's about being kind. It is not about uh, conquering or conquest. But this Mr. Well now, he does, and he loves Doug Mastriano. Um, and they were they both appeared together at what was called the Jericho March. Uh, headline: Let the Church Roar, and it was in Washington D.C. in December of 2020. Uh, and it was a Christian protest. They were looking for divine intervention to keep Trump in office. Um, both Mr. Walnow and Doug Mastriano were billed as speakers at Stop the Steel's wild protest on January 6th. And you can't escape the fact that you saw a lot of Christian fundamentalist flags flying at January 6th because these people are dominionist. They don't want to live and let live. They want to conquer and force their way of life on everyone else. Okay? While now uh, went on a 2021 online rant titled, I am a Christian nationalist. Uh, this article goes on explaining that. Um, you know, this is, you know, basically he said that, quote, Colonel Mastriano is anointed to lead. The whole country will be affected by what happens in Pennsylvania, end quote. Um, and Walnow has been considered the father of American dominionism. Now, dominionism is a subset of fundamentalist, Christian fundamentalist ideology. And these fun, the dominionists believe that they are called to basically force their way on everyone else to to, quote, exert God's will on earth as it is on, in heaven, end quote. Uh, and they have these things, the seven mountains. And this is really about controlling all of society. Make no mistake about it. Um, and they, these people are well entrenched in the MAGA movement. Okay? They're calling Democrats devils. They're calling religious minorities demons. Um, they're, they're saying fighting with Trump is fighting with God. And that's just documented by a Facebook post. Um, they've called president Biden, the antichrist, uh, and the evil ruler. Um, they called the, uh, what is it? They called out environmentalists. According to this article, quote, environmentalists who seek to limit fossil fuel extraction are quote, under control of demons, end quote. And that's just documented. It was by Right Wing Watch. I've heard some insanity, but that one takes the cake. Um, you know, Mr. Wall now denounced Black Lives Matter as witchcraft. 
Okay, and this is really a very frightening development. All right, it just is. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene is big into this movement. Um, you know, she, Mr. Walnow stood uh, at a July event in Atlanta where they prayed over uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, you know, these people are nuts. But Mr. Walnow is not uneducated. He allegedly has a master's degree from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and a doctorate in ministry with a specialization in marketplace from Phoenix University of Theology. I would like to know why somebody who has a doctorate in ministry needs to know about marketplaces. Okay? That's a money thing. Um, and Walno operates a nonprofit called Lance Walno Ministries Incorporated. Um, and he sells these Seven Mountains themed books. And the Seven Mountains are, you know, basically taking over everything, whether it's education, entertainment, government, churches, um, families. I mean, it's this is dealt. This is something that is really very, very dangerous. Um, these are people that despise democracy. Um, you think, okay, why would Christians, alleged Christians, see Donald Trump as their savior? And it's because this is about conquest to them. All right? This is about forcible conquest. These are the people that believe in white Jesus on in battle armor with a sword and getting ready to kill all his enemies. That's not what Jesus stood for, but they've perverted it to mean this. And, um, you know, this is really a very dangerous movement. And Doug Mastriano is a big part of it, so is Marjorie Taylor Greene. And you know what? My attitude is this. If you believe that you can't function like Marjorie Taylor Greene believes, that her first duty is to God and that she doesn't have a duty to the Constitution, then she needs to be removed from office then. Okay? She just does. Because she's already violated her oath of office. But this is what we're talking about. And Christian nationalism is very dangerous. Um, in fact, there's another piece here, and this is from American Progress. This article was written in April, this past April. Uh, it was an interview with Amanda Tyler of the Baptist Joint Committee. Okay? So she's a Christian herself. The headline is Christian nationalism is single biggest threat to America's religious freedom. All this ties in with the beginning of the story when I asked various members of Congress, do you believe in equality under rule of law for all persons? Because if you're a Christian nationalist, you can't. The two will not peaceably coincide. So it says here, religious freedom expert Amanda Tyler of the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty discusses the latest court cases and trends in religious freedom. My problem is that when a Christian nationalist claims their religious freedom, uh, it should not come at the cost of my legal rights. Okay? If you want to think I'm a demon, I don't care. But you've no damn right to strip me of my rights because of your wackadoodle beliefs. 
And for too long, those of us that are religious minorities have, again, walked on eggshells around especially white Christians because, oh, they get so incensed. Well, tough. You know? We're the ones that have had to put up with the constant persecution. So, no, we're done with it. I'm not playing that game anymore. Okay, so the Center for American Progress did an interview over email in February 2022 with religious liberty expert Amanda Tyler. Now, Ms. Tyler is the executive director of the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, as said before. They have a long history of championing religious freedom, and they do so, though, as both democratic and Baptist values, which I think is great. Um, she, Ms. Tyler is also the co-host of that group's Respecting Religion podcast. She's a board member of the Center for Faith, Justice, and Reconciliation. She's a graduate of the University of Texas School of Law. She's previously worked for U.S. Representative Lloyd Doggett, Democrat from Texas, um, as the district, quote, as district director and as counsel for the House Ways and Means Committee, end quote. Okay. So the Center for American Progress, I'm just going to read a little bit of this, <laughs> asked her, Quote, what are the most pressing threats to religious freedom in the United States today? Tyler responded, and I'm going to read straight from it. Quote, I believe the single biggest threat to religious freedom in the United States today is Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism is antithetical to the constitutional ideal that belonging in American society is not predicated on what faith one practices or whether someone is religious at all. The political ideology that seeks to merge American and Christian identities is deeply embedded in American society and manifests itself in a number of different ways, some more obviously harmful than others. The most violent expressions, such as what we saw at the January 6th insurrection, get most of the attention. But the more subtle ones, like state legislative efforts to promote the teaching of the Bible in public schools or to require the posting of In God We Trust in public schools and other public places, are also dangerous in that they perpetuate the false narrative that to be a true American, one must be Christian and off a certain type of Christian. Christian nationalism undergirds a number of threats to religious freedom, including anti-Muslim bigotry, anti-Semitism, and government-sponsored religion, end quote. Amen, sister. Okay? She's right. Then the Center for American Progress asked her another question. Excuse me. Here's the question. Quote, the country is still in the early stages of the new sixth to three conservative majority on the U.S. Supreme Court. But it's clear that this new balance will have a major impact on how the court understands the First Amendment's religious freedom clauses. <coughs> Excuse me. How would you assess the current trajectory of Supreme Court jurisprudence on the Establishment Clause and Free Exercise Clause? We talked about that earlier. Ms. Tyler answered, quote, as you note, the First Amendment protects religious freedom in two interconnected and necessary ways, by preventing government establishment of religion and by protecting the free exercise of religion from unnecessary government interference. In my view, both clauses are essential when it comes to protecting religious freedom. I'm concerned that the current Supreme Court seems overly deferential to free exercise claims of some while not giving enough weight to Establishment Clause principles and how those principles protect religious freedom for all. 
Instead, the court has couched a number of its recent decisions in terms of trying to prevent discrimination against religion, interpreting Establishment Clause principles that gird against government-sponsored religion as discrimination in certain contexts. She's right. Now, there's some more here. Um, I'm not going to get into all of it because it's going to be a long thing, but... um, Uh, Let's skip down to some of the later questions, okay? (coughs) Sorry, folks. Excuse me. (coughs) Here's another question. The The ideology of Christian nationalism presents a significant threat to religious freedom and religious pluralism. BJC's Christians Against Christian Nationalist Nationalism and Initiative is a unique and important campaign to address this. How do you define Christian nationalism, and what and why was this campaign a priority for BJC? <coughs> Keep in mind, BJC once again is the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. Okay. All righty. So let's go down here and see what Miss Tyler has to say. Tyler, quote, Christian nationalism is a political ideology and cultural framework that seeks to merge American and Christian identities. It heavily relies upon a mythological founding of the United States as a Christian nation, singled out for God's special favor. It is not a religion, but it intersects with Christianity in its use of Christian symbols and language. But the Christian in Christian nationalism is more about identity than religion and carries with it assumptions about nativism, white supremacy, authoritarianism, patriarchy, and militarism. And she's right. (coughs) Sorry, folks. Okay. And and, and that one says it all. I'm going to read that one again. Quote from Amanda Tyler from Once Again. This particular group that Ms. Tyler represents from Amanda Tyler of the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. I'm going to read that last quote because it's, it's so important. Quote, Christian in Christian nationalism is more about identity than religion and carries with it assumptions about nativism, white supremacy, authoritarianism, patriarchy and militarism end quote goes on to say miss tyler goes on to say bjc first organized christians against christian nationalism in july 2019 when we and our ecumenical partners saw a rising tide of violent christian nationalism and wanted to organize a resource specifically for christians to learn more about it and take a stand against it as we have learned more i am convinced that Christian nationalism is the single biggest threat to religious freedom today. The best way to combat Christian nationalism is to recommit to foundational ideas of, of religious freedom for all. Principles such as the following, quote, People of all faiths and none have the right and responsibility to engage constructively in the public square. Two, one's religious affiliation or lack thereof should be irrelevant to one's standing in the civic community. Three, 
government should not prefer one religion over another or religion over non-religion. And four, religious instruction is best left to our houses of worship and other religious institutions, end quote. Ms. Tyler goes on to say, quote, these are among the core values that are at the center of the initiative and part of a statement that anyone who identifies as a Christian is invited to sign. Okay. And I, I, I agree with her totally. Okay. The conclusion of this piece, this interview actually, uh, the the interview the authors for this piece um, for Center for American Progress are Guthrie Graves Fitzsimmons and Maggie Siddiqui. I'm hoping I said that right. Their interview with Amanda Tyler of the Baptist um, Joint Committee. And I'm skipping ahead a bit here. You get the idea. Um, and at the end of this interview. The authors of this piece wrote a conclusion. Quote, conclusion, with multiple U.S. Supreme Court rulings coming soon, the future of religious liberty in the United States is uncertain. But defense of the separation of church and state must continue no matter what direction the court takes. I'm going to read that one again. But defense of the separation of church and state must continue no matter what direction the court takes. The country's founding promise of religious freedom requires everyone to do their part to defend it today. Thankfully, the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty and many of CAP, Center for American Progress, other faith-based partners are doing just that. Thank you so much. That really said quite a bit right there. Okay. So now we're going to talk about so I can find it in my notes now. <clears throat> EJR is going to be kind of short today. Um, like I said, uh, trying to do too many things at once. There was an article written in The Guardian, September 28th, just this past week. Um, several articles, actually. The Guardian wrote a headline, Nord Stream Gas Leaks May Be Biggest Ever with Warning of Large Climate Risk. It was written by Karen McVeigh and Philip Alterman. <clears throat> Radio Free Europe also had an article on uh, September 30th. Headline is, Huge Explosions Preceded Nord Stream Pipeline Leaks in Baltic Sea, Sweden, and Denmark Tell the UN. Um, Radio Free Europe, a day earlier than that, on September 29th, said, the headline, NATO calls Nord Stream leaks deliberate reckless sabotage. And then there's also a source, Ukraine Form, which is a Ukrainian multimedia platform for broadcasting. The headline is Nord Stream hit with blast uh, with TNT equivalent of 700 kilograms. Now, there is enough evidence now to show that, yes, apparently the Nord Stream pipeline, which pipes in gas from Russia under the Baltic Sea that goes into other parts of Europe, um, was sabotaged. Okay, Some people are saying it was drones, some people saying underground explosions, but apparently, uh, according to Radio Free Europe, Radio Free Europe um, 
the pipeline leaks um, were preceded by huge explosions. And this, is, and this was reported by Sweden and Denmark to the United Nations. Sweden and Denmark hardly have a um, reputation for histrionics. Okay? So, of course, people are thinking the obvious, and it may very well be true that Putin ordered it. Wouldn't be shocked. The problem is that that, that particular pipeline is really releasing huge amounts of methane into the environment. And this is up north. It's definitely going to affect the polar ice cap even more. Um, we have to realize in terms of what we've just seen with Hurricane Ian, all right, we're having, we're suffering, suffering through 500-year storms, 1,000-year storm weather events. In other words, these are uh, severe weather events that normally wouldn't happen except once every 500 or 1,000 years. We're having it every other year, whether it's droughts, whether it's um, constant wildfires in California. Um, I have a friend in Bangladesh. The flooding is unbelievable. You can't walk away and say that this isn't because of global climate devastation, because it is. Now, I realize that we have people that prefer EJR. We will be talking about this again in another program. Um, I want to be able to do this story justice, but I did want to mention it. Okay. And so this is something um, that, you know, we have to, uh, we have to deal with. All right. Uh, we can no longer ignore what we've done to this planet. You know, we know the, the consensus of scientific opinion worldwide is that fossil fuel is the major, if not sole cause, of global warming. And, uh, you know, when we call it global warming, the average layperson doesn't get it, okay? Call it what it is, global climate destruction, because that's what it is, period. Being done because the fossil fuel companies want to extract every penny of profit, nothing else. Our societies, both here in the United States and internationally, are being run by the equivalent of addicts. I've said this before, except the addicts are addicted to power and greed, and they're insane. And they have to be ousted, and we need to get democratic control again. And we have to change our ways. We just do. It's not about my generation. I'm 63. It is about our children and our grandchildren and their right to have a world that's actually habitable. I'm tired of hearing this nonsense about people are going to live on Mars. We don't know that. We need to save as much of this planet as we possibly can. We've already gone past several tipping points beyond which the damage is too dire to be able to repair. But well, we might be able to save some of the planet, and we have a moral obligation to do so. So we will be talking about this story in greater depth, just not today. But I wanted to bring it up. And, and, and again, I send prayers to Florida, uh, to the victims of Hurricane Ian. But you can't separate that weather event from, you know, big fossil fuel. You can't. That's why it happened. What is it going to take 
to get people to realize this, that we have to change our ways. And we can no longer allow the very rich and big fossil fuel to not only control our society, but to control and continue to corrupt our political process. I don't give a damn about Citizens United. When politicians of both parties accept monetary payments in return for voting a certain way, that's a bribe. Period. And even if the Supreme Court disagrees with us, we need to start prosecuting these political criminals, these politicians. And if it gets overturned, the court, it gets overturned. But make it hard for them to accept these bribes. Make, give them some pain. So I think twice. Okay. So give me a second here. All right, so now we're coming to our jackass of the year. Not of the year, jackass of the week, okay? It's not really a jackass. This is a dangerous thing. Um, I don't know if I should call it a fascist of the week, whatever, and it ties in again with Christian nationalists. Um, Here in my home state of Missouri, and I believe it's on, yes, November 4th and 5th, so it coincides with Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, in Branson, Missouri, the um, Springfield News Leader reported the following headline, Christian Nationalist Reawakening Rally, headlined by Michael Flynn coming to Missouri. It was written by Galen Bacarrier, again, Springfield News Leader. Um, And this is going to be at what they call the Freedom Encounter Theater in Branson. Now, first of all, I made a mistake because at first I thought, okay, this came from the Springfield paper, so I thought – all right, maybe the the um, tourist board at Springfield something to do with it. I called them, left a message, and they said, no, they don't, um, and that this was Branson, and Branson isn't part of Springfield. And, but the man also um, made an excuse in saying, well, you know, where they're having the theater, it's publicly funded, so they can't turn them away. Except for one thing. I looked it up. Okay. This Freedom Encounter Theater in Branson, Missouri. And um, let me find it here. Give me a second. Hmm. I know I wrote it down. Anyway, I looked it up. The Freedom Encounter Theater was bought by a nonprofit in 2021. So I don't know what they're talking about. And even if it, even if the theater was funded by public money, then if nothing else, then the city of Branson should have issued a disclaimer, you know, saying that we don't endorse this group. We understand um, that this may be offensive to some, not just offensive, but, you know, and the wackadoodles are going to be there. Um, Mike Flynn, who, as far as I'm concerned, is a traitor, you know, he, he colluded with Russia. All right. He has more allegiance in my opinion to Vladimir Putin than he does to the Constitution. He should have been stripped of his, his rank and everything. Um, and, and so there's this graphic advertising, there's this graphic picture. There's like 50 different people. According to this paper, we don't know how many of them will be present at the Branson event. Um, the graphic declares, quote, just 3,000 tickets will be sold to this epic event. And, end quote. And then they advertised a 50% discount for all pastors. 
Um, the actual advert for this particular event of Christian Nationalist also features ads for Branson and attractions uh, in and around the city. Silver Dollar City, which is akin to that, refused to grant permission to the event. Thank God. Okay. Um, the event also did not, according to the article, the event also did not get the authorization. I'm reading from the article. Quote, the event also did not get authorization to use ExploreBranson.com in their marketing. And that's according to Rachel Wood, Chief Marketing Officer for the Branson Lakes Area Chamber of Conver Commerce and Convention and Visitors Bureau. <coughs> the group was working Wednesday, this is past Wednesday, to get the URL removed from the event's promotional materials. End quote. Um, and, you know, Southwest Missouri, we tend to we tend to, to uh, attract these wackadoodles, including the MyPillow guy, Mike Lindell, um, maybe even Marjorie Taylor Greene. There was an event in Springfield a year earlier that centered around preserving America, okay? Um, and the event a year ago in Springfield featured Marjorie Taylor Greene. So, you know, once again, um, Springfield's in it up to their eyeballs as well. And, you know, the reporter for this, Galen Becarrier, covers Missouri politics and government for the news leader. Um, you know, the bottom line is this. They can have these conferences. I, you know, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about cancel culture. It's nonsense. Um, when they scream free speech, what they're saying is they want to insult anybody they want to. Um, the far right wants to be able to slander, libel, and defame with legal impunity. But the minute you rebut their statements, they start whining, cancel culture, you're hurting me. Please. The fact is, they can say what they want. We have a right of rebuttal. Period. And the two towns of Springfield, Missouri, and especially Branson, Missouri, until they denounce this type of stuff, yeah, we need to register our disgust with the pocketbook. Boycott those towns. Boycott tourist events in Springfield. Not there's that much. Boycott Branson. Okay? Seriously. Make it hurt. We do not have to tolerate this. Make no mistake about it. Uh, these reawakening rallies, and this is what it's called, uh, according to the article, has also, quote, drawn criticism from prominent Christian leaders who have warned that the events distort the teachings of the religion in an attempt to harm American democracy. And that's according to uh, a, Guardian, a report in The Guardian back in June. Okay and that they are distorting Christianity. And that article, you see this this um, this picture here, prominent Christian. Uh, this is from Peter Stone in Washington, this other article um, about Christian nationalism, these reawakening rallies. And the headline is Roger Stone, this is in The Guardian, Roger Stone and Michael Flynn under fire over rallies distorting Christianity. Prominent Christian leaders accused Trump allies of spreading misinformation about 2020 election and COVID while distorting Christian teachings at Reawaken America events. And that was written by Peter Stone. And this article was back in June. 
and you see this picture of Roger Stone with Pastor Greg Locke and his wife. Um, and Pastor Locke is featured prominently at multiple Reawaken American rallies in several states. And the lies they tell, okay, are, are just beyond belief. Okay? Um, according to Adam Russell Taylor, who's the president of Sojourners, which, again, is another Christian group, quote, this reawakened tour is peddling dangerous lies about both the election and the pandemic. Jesus taught us that the truth will set us free, and these lies hold people captive to these dangerous falsehoods. They also exacerbate the toxic polarization we're seeing in both the church and the wider society, end quote. So it's not just me saying it. Um, Okay. Adam Russell Taylor also said again, president of Sojourners, another Christian group, also added that he was concerned about, quote, a conflation between Christianity and a nationalistic form of patriotism at the tour rallies, which are promoting a a more overt form of Christian nationalism, end quote. Um, The Guardian article also quotes Amanda Tyler. Again, we talked about her earlier, the executive director of the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. Um, And she said, quote, Christian nationalism is a threat to the church because those peddling it wrap this ideology in biblical language and imagery. Christian nationalism is wrong as a matter of Christian ethics. The Bible is not confined to a nation, much less a party or list of policy positions. She also added, quote, the Reawaken America Tour is a gross distortion of Christianity, and it's up to Christian leaders in the areas the tour visits to speak out against this ideology, end quote. Now, here's what we have, though, okay? (coughs) These Reawaken Tours have these pro-Trump messages mixed with Christian nationalism, according to this Guardian article. There was a two-day gathering in Myrtle Beach in May, and uh, Mike Flynn was there, um, Roger Stone, um, oops, I'm losing my place here, Eric Trump, and the right-wing pastor Mark Burns, who's running for a House seat. Um, and Roger Stone, talk about, uh, Roger Stone is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he is such a Nazi, it's beyond belief, okay? He just is. And here's what Roger Stone had to say at this similar event back in May. Quote, you can't make this stuff up. Quote, there is a satanic portal above the White House. You can see day and night. It exists. It is real and it must be closed and it will be closed by prayer, end quote. And Stone went on to say, quote, that the portal appeared after Joe Biden, quote, became president and it will be closed before he leaves, end quote. Okay, so... Once again, and then you have this Burns character. Where is he? Um, is that the pastor? I'm lost. But no, it's Greg Locke. Okay. So this reawakened tour is going to be in Branson this coming week, right on Yom Kippur. I don't think that was an accident either. Uh, you know, once again, this is truly dangerous. Um. And, you know, we need to hold these communities accountable. If they want to run space to these groups, they can. But they can't escape public scrutiny. And these people that pronounce these things, they can believe what they like. 
But I can tell you this. If one of these jerks said I was a Satanist, for instance, or a demon or whatever, and it became really ugly, I'd sue their sorry ass. I would sue them in court, and I would take everything they own. Seriously, we cannot allow these people to control the debate any longer, and that's the problem. Because, you know, if you're thinking, like, with a professional mindset, you know, the kind of mindset you learn in graduate school where, you know, you don't give too much attention to that nonsense. You're thinking with that mindset, but these people that attend these events, and I don't mean to sound like these people, but Christian nationalists, these are people that tend to be very, um, I don't know, vulnerable. There's a lot of people in our society that culturally believe that if you don't argue the point, in other words, if you refuse to defend yourself, it must mean that you're guilty. So the longer that we keep refusing <clears throat> to challenge these people, the more they think we're guilty. And when you start calling people demons, and even the, the word groomer, <clears throat> when you call someone a groomer, that is slander. You're accusing them of a criminal act. And if somebody's dumb enough to do it on Twitter, I, I think that is progressives. We need to basically collect our money together, get an army of lawyers, and yes, sue for slander, libel, and defamation every time one of these yokels calls somebody a groomer without evidence. That's it. These people won't stop unless you stand up to them. That, that they're immature. I know it sounds like I am um, generalizing their behavior. But once again, we need to stand up to these groups, seriously, before it's too late. That, that's what this is really about. And part of it also is, you know, not only boycotting places like Branson, but letting them know why. Boycotting places like, you know, Springfield, letting them know why. Yes, you have a right to run to them, and we have a right to boycott you and let you know why we're boycotting you that simple and as the target of Christian nationalists we all need to stick together that's it put bluntly so anyway um, I didn't use the jackass brain tonight I don't really have much uh, spirit for now um, you know heading into you know the day of atonement um, I wish everybody a wonderful year, and I hope that everybody who believes in democracy bands together, and Dr. King was true, a denial of, a denial of justice for one is a denial of justice for all. We're in this together, and with that, that's our show for today. I say Shana Tova. And um, Mr. Flynn can go to H-E double toothpicks. With that, oh, Lord, I say good night and God bless us. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say good evening and wishing everybody 
a little bit of kindness and tolerance in their lives. <laughs> 